Ah, it's you. Come on in. Welcome to another edition of In The Making, a podcast that inquisitively inquires as to how things are made. I'm Jim Biddulph, and each week I ask a maker of all kinds about how they work, invariably discovering how they got to where they are and what challenges they've faced along the way. This is the last in the first series, and I think, given that myself and producer Rachel have been figuring it out as we go along, it's gone pretty well. We've certainly learnt a lot about the process, as well as those of other makers, and hopefully you have too. This conversation was recorded in January 2023, but I quite quickly felt that it should be saved until the end, as I think it's a bit of a treat. That's because it's with music maker and all-round music man, Huey Gavin, and well... It's going to include some actual music. Now, I've known Huey for quite a while now, and I have a feeling that he thinks in staffs, clefts and quavers, whereas I, on the other hand, had to Google the names of those musical things in order to form this sentence. As you'll discover, he comes from a long lineage of musicians of one kind or another, and hearing, reading, writing and performing music has quite simply always been in his life. And as this conversation confirms... He not only knows his stuff, but possesses true reverence for the art form. We chat about some of his formative experiences, which include a choir performance in the Vatican, being in the commercial music industry, making his own stuff, the difficulty of labelling what he does, although he does have a good response for that, and sharing the joy of music. And Huey is incredibly generous in sharing his skills and all that he's learned along the way thus far. Teaching has become a big part of his life, and as you'll hear... He runs Margate Social Singing Choir, which yours truly is a founding member of. We sat down in his lovely recording studio, surrounded by a series of instruments, and did in fact do plenty of amazing singing together. However, we decided it best to cut that from the edit, because I'm not quite ready for international stardom just yet. But we did, however, start with some juicy choir chat. I was listening, actually I texted you yesterday, because I was listening back to that Christmas advert that we did. Mm. for very and honestly on the I can really hear your voice <laughs> so and I remember at the time thinking that and then but now I was like whoa that, I can really hear because I don't know if you remember when we were recording it it ended up being the whole section and then they they did versions where it was just like three of us oh yeah 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 and I think that's why I think your voice they must have used a lot of that track. Well, yeah, when they um, when they edit it together. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds re- yeah. I'm really that was another one that was really it's really really. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about making like you made the choir, and yeah. you've 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 engineered and made some some great things for the the choir. Well, I mean, I guess it's a collective would, would thing. That, but would that have been 2017, 2018 when we were? Because you're the first person I told about possibly starting a choir. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Yeah, in our other shared common ground of being in the pub. Watching the football, <laughs> Watching yeah. Watching the football, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly the sort of place that you talk about forming a choir. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe in Margate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, I think I think it's longer ago than that. Yeah, I think it was, it's at least five years, I think. Yeah. Maybe 2000... Well, I don't know, because, I mean, I was just about to say, like, that I'm coming back to it. I mean, I've been yeah. in the last few terms, but obviously the pandemic it carried on in different guises but f- yeah. for me it was a kind of clear break and i missed it yeah i did miss it because we were a good few years in then and it was definitely yeah fully established and and like a, a point in the week that i'd look forward to yeah. and really enjoyed and it sort of happened 
at that point at the apex of choir you know we'd just yeah. done yeah just well the Christmas the Christmas, the Christmas ad was advert. months before yeah and then the Moshi Moshi EP had just come out the last thing we did before lockdown was the in-stores for the album yeah. launch yeah and then about a couple of weeks later everything was locked down yeah of course we yeah rode high in the vinyl charts <laughs> yeah we did uh, didn't we yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> top 10 vinyl yeah. charts and then it all um and then it all stopped and it was yeah it's actually really i didn't realize how much i enjoyed or how much mm. i got out of that weekly kind of choir and you know you just don't i didn't realize how much that kind of I took that energy and sort of feeling into the rest of my week mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that kind of the collaboration of working with all those different people. And mm. I think that's something that's really the reason, one of the reasons why I started the choir is because I spent so much time in my other, the other parts of my work working by myself. Yes. Um, and doing the composition and the arrangement and production can be quite solitary. Mm -hmm. And I really have a sort of, I don't know what the right word is somewhere between not really mantra uh, or an idea somewhere between idea and mantra <laughs> yeah. and maybe vocation <laughs> yeah. not, not going to go quite as far as that but of thinking that music should be something that's shared mm -hmm. and something that should be not this mystery sort of that is mm. kept secret and that's something that really is the, the more you get into music generally the more kind of secretive people are about interesting yeah and you know, and competitive competitive is that, is that definitely thing? I think it's part yeah. of it and I think there's a culture especially in kind of the classical training mm -hmm. knowledge is power almost mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I grew up in that in that world and I think trying to be a bit more open and collaborative mm -hmm. with, with the people I work with professionally but also that's kind of the whole reason of the choir is that what if we make some music together if I can hopefully give some people some guidance and singing mm -hmm, and and, mm -hmm. and how to like learn the parts and and why we're singing in a certain way how where can we take it and I, and mm. the proof has been every time we've done something the choir has risen to the occasion yeah man. i mean I, I again it's really not all about me but as it's us two talking right now from my experience i feel like i've learned from you a lot about how to sing you awesome. know and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm great in any no, way you are. but like you've got a lovely voice well thank you very much but um <laughs> but no but like I've yeah I've learned an awful lot uh in terms of technique you know in terms of sort of breathing which actually I genuinely think you know it filters out into other Definitely. parts of, of life actually as well like specifically breathing yeah which is sort of quite integral because we do it all the time <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah I I, I really yeah, I really feel that, and I and I feel you can feel that in the room when, yeah. when the choir's together. Oh, I mean, good. Yeah, that's that's a big, the biggest part. I think the biggest as work's got busier and busier. I always have to remind myself how I felt when I wasn't doing it every week. Yeah, and how much I get out of of being a part of that process, and you know, it's also been massive for me because I was obviously a producer doing kind of songwriting and a bit of adverty stuff mm -hmm. but since I started the choir and then this vocal ensemble I'm now become the choir guy and that's sort of, <laughs> yeah. sort yeah, of my yeah, whole no, thing yeah, yeah. in composition yeah. and everything it's my whole it's, it's it's my niche now it's become mm. the thing that it was obviously an element of what I did yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's it's funny I was chatting to someone about it yesterday and they were saying yeah because you're the yeah 
You're the choir guy. Well, now, actually, aren't I? I mentioned to somebody just earlier that I was going to interview, and I was like, you, you know, Huey. And they were like, oh, yeah, 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 the choir guy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, it's not, that's not. I mean, there's definitely worse things you could be uh, associated <laughs> with. <laughs> not, I mean, not you specifically, <laughs> but one. Um, the guy with that, the scandal. Yeah. 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 Oh, there's still time for that, mate. Yeah. Um, and there's a few, there's quite a few things there that you've sort of touched upon that I'd like to talk about, actually. Um, you mentioned sort of classical training. And also, I know from your own sort of educational background, the classics were part of your. Yeah background but um yeah i suppose this is a roundabout way of saying where did it all begin for huey gavin because <laughs> <laughs> you have got you are from a musical family and I, and I feel slightly reticent to bring that up because you are also you as a defined music artist and yeah. everything else that you arrange and everything that you do with it but there is that as well right yeah yeah i, I mean I, I think it's a sort of a really important part of who i am uh, is that i was really lucky and fortunate to have a very supportive and musical upbringing. Mm -hmm. My grandmother's a composer, or was a composer, and my dad's a very successful opera singer, sang all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and my auntie's a concert pianist, and my uncle was also a singer, but he stopped singing after uh, in his sort of 30s. Right. But um, I was brought up first having piano lessons and with my grandma, uh, who would she was really old school and this is when we lived in Australia she would have a she had a jar of jelly snakes yeah and if I did something well she would give me a jelly snake yummy <laughs> but if I did something if I made a mistake not so much a mistake but if I did something badly or I wasn't she'd slap my hands yeah. <laughs> so I would um, yeah. so I'd be really kind of I'd really try really hard uh, to, to get as many jelly snakes as I could <laughs> yeah. and I had a really good lesson once and um, I don't know I just had about 20 <laughs> uh, a really good Fizzy. lesson yeah Fizzy and I just you. threw up in the car <laughs> on the way home and my well, mum had to say to, to my grandma you've got to stop giving him jelly yeah. snakes She's stop like, incentivizing yeah. him He's to like, well he usually doesn't get that many you know <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, you were improving. Exactly, yeah, purely through greed. And what is your <laughs> what is your relationship to sugared confectionery now? I mean, I, you know, I don't have that much of a sweet tooth. Okay, good. Probably <laughs> for that reason. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so I I was taught by her, and then we moved over to England uh, for my dad's work. England sounds weird when you say England, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. The, the UK. Place that we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I went to a music school. So it was the London Oratory. There's a sort of uh, basically a choir. It was all based around the choir. Mm -hmm. The choir is probably the leading Catholic boys' choir. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Church of England choirs. So we did, we'd be we'd do stuff in Rome all the time, uh, and uh, we'd tour every year. And the choir did the music for Harry Potter and Lord, uh, the yeah. Lord of the Rings and um, Sleepy Hollow. But that was before I was in it, and. Can I just clarify? Because I did, because I obviously know what you've just told me. Because it's, I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, but I did a bit of googling. Did you wear the long black gowns and the <clears throat> the white kind of yes collary things as well? Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. it's a cassock and a cotta. Do, doing all of that stuff, learning the music theory and and to sight read and to play instruments. Mm. Now it's such a useful thing. I didn't, and then, um, and I was actually considered at that school, qu 
quite I wasn't the like the academic music person right so I was I mean we all were we were all like doing because it's such a high standard and lots mm-hmm. of them are uh, you know West End stars or, or um, yeah, yeah, yeah. composers and things like that now uh, some of them are like a few of us but I was much more about writing songs and being in a band and you know mm-hmm. I did all the other stuff I'm so glad I did because I, I was because I was in the school and doing all of that stuff it was just um, it was kind of almost by osmosis and almost because I was in this really high performance setting I was just going through all my grades and things like that but not really in that focused uh, a manner yeah you, so were the, you were like the rock and roll choir kid <laughs> <laughs> but honestly I used to get in trouble for being quite yeah and I, and I, I did find it it was something that became that, which is you know everyone has different skills it's something that came really easily to me or I just I felt like I just and it's a bit of a combination of feeling like I just had a real love for making music and and learning it felt quite natural and it was almost like I'd, it sounds really really cheesy but it's it was almost like whenever i heard a thing it was it was or got a piece of information i was like oh yeah that makes sense it was like a like i'd heard it before or it just felt it fitted into the puzzle that was all the different things and um so that was really useful but it was only really in my 20s when i started when i was working in that sort of pop world as a songwriter that i started to kind of realize i had this skill set that other people didn't have Mm -hmm. of being able to do string arrangements and and chord arrangements. Well, I was going to say, you, you, I don't, I don't know that much about the. Like I say, I'm sort of enthusiast of. I like music. I yeah, have it on all the time, but I'm not in any way an expert with, uh, of the industry. But from afar, and you know, this is partly from conversations that we've had in the past. But it, you, you, you seem to strike me as somebody that does have a. a an, there's a group of skills there. There's yeah, like it's quite broad in terms of your ability and what you I guess more as well like in terms of your output you, you don't do one yeah specific thing right yeah I mean that's that's the that's the thing uh, I was sort of thinking about when we when you asked me to to to, to have this conversation mm-hmm. sounds like a really weird way of saying do this <laughs> yeah. podcast yeah um, this thing that we're doing right this now this thing <laughs> that I will not say what it is yeah. <laughs> um I was thinking because I've that sort of self um, kind of labelling mm-hmm. is quite tricky sometimes. Oh, and I find it impossible sometimes, yeah. And yeah. I think, so, and it's really fun, I had to do like a, you know, send over some information when I, because I recently got this new publishing deal, an agent, and the intro to the bio just felt a bit ridiculous. It was like, um, composer, arranger, <laughs> producer, <laughs> yeah, vocal coach, yeah, yeah. and vocalist. Yeah, like a shopping list. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, how can I condense this? It just seems ridiculous. And I think the way that I've sort of made it make sense in my head is that I work with the human voice. So that's sort of, that's the kind of center of everything I do. So whether it's vocal coaching, working with singers Mm -hmm. on their technique, whether it's musical direction and and choral direction with choirs, or it's arranging for other people's sort of, for like, you know, choral sections on, on other people's music. Um, or it's composition even though some of the composition I do do, isn't just choir it's always very led by the voice so yes and people like that's the nice thing yeah yeah, I I like your definition there it's good because it's because it feels fitting knowing you like it's because people you mentioned I think community earlier yeah totally I mean and I think that's something that I've actively tried to add 
into what I do more. Mm. When we moved down here, I was basically doing the majority of what I was doing was songwriting and production, and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it was um, very uh, 2020, but a lot of it was remote. You know, it was like mm-hmm. it's sessions that mm-hmm. weren't even. I wasn't the same person, so I'd get sent a song or an idea. Yeah. And again, it was something that I'd fallen into because I had a couple of songs that were like used uh, these sort of G- basically DJs in 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 Sweden or Holland or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, it's a big market called top lining basically. And and um, I'd done a few sessions and they'd gone quite well. And I used to go over to Amsterdam quite a lot. And that's kind of where everyone sort of uh, congregates. Uh, and then after a while I had a few really good working relationships with different labels so they would just send me songs and I would just live forever tonight's the night basically I had a real um, I'm not doing any of this anymore so I'm going to give away my secrets I had a, a book where I'd come up with a simple idea mm-hmm. a lyrical idea so there was one that came into my head that I haven't done the other day um, and it was which I won't do because I'm not really doing this that much mm-hmm. anymore. But it was the idea is that because there basically is a very limited parameter of what you can write about. This either like a night out or yeah, like yeah, loving yeah. For, someone. For this, but it's, for this yeah, type yeah, of music, yeah, it needs yeah. to be about the idea I had the other day was sort of like if you haven't heard from me, don't worry, I'm not doing anything. But I'm <laughs> but I'm having like the best night ever. Right. Yeah. 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 And then it's sort of like <laughs> basically like it's the I'm having the best night ever. Yeah. But also, it's a little bit in the verses. It would be be like, I know you're annoyed because I haven't texted yeah, yeah, yeah. you. But this happened, this happened, <laughs> yeah. and this happened. I'm having the best time ever, yeah. and you're not here. It's basically, it's a little <laughs> bit of a joke. But it's sort of like, it's sort of because I don't. It's like, it's like, no one's ever written that song. But that is literally what every couple ever has argued about. It's like, why haven't uh, yeah. you text me because you were, you know, oh, it's because I haven't. <laughs> yeah. For us now, it's not going out on a night out. It's like as in going out to a club. I can't remember the last time I was in a club, but it's like I was having a great conversation with my <laughs> yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this person came in and then... <laughs> yeah. And I had so, to have my seventh beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The gentleman's two pints. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, the, these these sort of songs kind of... So I was doing a lot of that and that was um, very solitary. So I just, mm. I would come up, I had it sort of down. It was almost like a musical crossword as well. Yeah. So... Yeah, but one that you can, one that you know how to do in yeah, kind of quick time like, exactly so yeah. I'd sort of do two or three yeah. some days and um, which on paper you know on paper that I have this sometimes with writing sometimes it's like just get it done yeah because I'm you know it's just it, this is a job job I'm earning money from it yeah but if you if that becomes your sole form of income which yeah. let's face it you know we are technically talking about work here on some level anyway it, it sort of destroys the soul a little bit. It really bit. does. And actually something, you know, we are actually also talking about creative process and, dare I say, you know, artistry here, right? You know, like... But then, uh, yeah, that's when it stops feeling like it. When well, you're, exactly, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. stops feeling like you're doing something creative and it starts feeling more like... More like work, work. Yeah. And also, you know, you go into these avenues. I feel like now I've found myself in an avenue that I really love, but at the time mm. then, it felt like, Oh, this is. I don't want to be the guy that does the dance music. <laughs> yeah. That's not. That's not who I want to be. How, how's this happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> so I sort of made a. I didn't do any sort of vision boards or like no, you know things, but no. I made a. I had a thought like, right, well, what can I do to sort of 
change the direction. Right. And was this? It's a, I mean, this was like you, six, seven years ago. Yeah, six so years. sort of a, a bit before the choir yeah. set up, really. Um, I was doing some other stuff. I was MDing vocal direction for this sort of theatre company uh, in in London, and so I'd done a few things where I'd done some music, some scores for them, and then I was doing when I wasn't doing that. I was kind of coming in when they were doing rehearsals and kind of giving them. So I'd already done that and I'd worked with my, at my dad's studio. So I knew that I wanted to do a bit of bit more of that and I knew that I really enjoyed it. And I had a kind of, you know, uh, a skill for it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that would be a really nice way of getting me, of mixing. That was the first aim. It was just to mm-hmm. to, to start collaborating with people in the same room yeah, yeah, and in the yeah. same um, interact with you. Yeah, interact with yeah. you. And I remember sort of because I had the studio at the Printworks, and I'd just be in there all day by myself. And then I'd go out for a coffee where where Storeum used to be, and I'd just be like almost manic, like, "Hey, how's it?" You know, <laughs> yeah. so I hadn't worked yeah. out. You know, yeah. also probably because I was like listening to like music at like 140 beats <laughs> yeah, per minute. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, and drinking loads of coffee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I, so I started doing that and then the choir happened and a few people from that music world because I've been doing, you know, I've been working with major, that was all major label stuff. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, Sony, Universal, mm. all of these sort of spinning records mm. and they, um, and they kind of knew I had a choir. So then whenever there was stuff that was, more on that avenue yeah. I kind of started getting work through that and became yeah. it very quickly became this this thing yeah I mean if, if you build it they will come <laughs> yeah and it wasn't you know I, I, it's yeah uh-huh. it's, it wasn't intentional in terms of that I wanted to start a community choir yeah but it, it sort of really helped connect a lot of different threads yeah 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 and I think if you if sometimes when you whether you realise it or not if you're putting your energy in a certain direction and can find focus with it, and, yeah. and and keep it going. You know, yeah. like starting something is a big step, but continuing to do mm. it. I suppose you had accountability with the choir because yeah, straight away definitely. there was twenty odd of us, however many, and yeah. it was popular right away. Because yeah, it's a there was a, thing people to do. wanted to do it straight away. I was really surprised. Yeah, from I mean, I had like put my little old studio. I'd put some like wine and beers on yeah 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 and it spilt out all the way into the corridor and, yeah and uh, they were think they were doing like some sort of deep meditation yoga next door which was totally ruined <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, or enhanced yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the um yeah it was it was it, that was really also it really was um you know having to arrange something pretty much every week or two new mm. was such a good it's like such a good honing of all those skills Mm-mm. so that when very quickly all this other work starts coming in I was yeah you're not rusty there no yeah you're yeah. doing it every single week and yeah, yeah. I've learned also from it's actually quite it's a real privilege and joy to have the stuff that you've written every week you go and then like what's now like 100 people 100 singing it back. yeah it's like a real but that's such a good way of... I sometimes change the parts after the first session. Mm-hmm. Not because of... Um, never now because people haven't got them. Just I hear something that's different to mm-hmm. how it feels when it's just one, when my voice yeah, is Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're, you're like, it's a live... It's a live, yeah. It's really... Process, and that's, yeah. yeah and Can anybody be taught how to sing? Can you teach anybody to sing? 
Yes, I believe you can. So, do you believe you can, or do you believe um, anybody can? I I think I've worked with people that have been told they're tone deaf, right? <laughs> and I've been able to teach them to to sing in tune. Mm-hmm. So so it's a bit uh, the way I, I describe it sometimes. It's a bit like you know you can teach anyone to swim pretty much, mm-hmm. but not everyone's going to be Michael Phelps. Is his name Michael Phelps? I feel like I was... The American guy. You went yeah, for yeah. it. Let's say yes. I'll check it, if not... Mr. Phelps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that really good swimmer be, guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, that's... There is... Everyone has their own instrument. Everyone's got their own unique instrument. I think that's what's amazing about singing is that, you know, it's the only instrument which is... There's no barrier or, you know, you don't have a string or a... Yeah. Or a... Yeah. Or a piano. You're not... You have... Uh, near or do you have full autonomy over it yeah you do and there's no separation between the sound you're making and and you it's all you basically it's all so i think that's why it's such an emotive thing yeah and and it's such a you know good thing to to do and it kind of gives you those sort of um that oxytocin sort of that, Mm -hmm. that great feeling um but so some people will be able to naturally their tuning is naturally better or mm-hmm. they find um it easier and then uh, um and also that breathing that the use of the breath mm, and that yeah. being relaxed so that yeah. comes easier to some people uh but to others it's it, it needs to be learned a learned technique mm-hmm. it'd be the same as some people just really take into the water and others not being strong swimmers, even if they had loads of lessons. But you yeah, can but teach some, anyone. Some, some people still just doggy paddle, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the yeah, you can. I think, and, and it's it's sometimes more rewarding working with a, someone that's because they often come with a really horrible story of being told they sound like a mm. um, like you know just a really horrible comments you get yeah, from from yeah. people growing up, and seeing people be able to sing freely mm. and well mm. who never thought they would be able to do it is actually in many ways more rewarding than working with someone that's doing a recital or, or yeah, about to go good. off on tour yeah. yeah 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 and actually those people can be a lot more receptive to to new ideas and techniques yeah. than sometimes <laughs> sometimes professional singers and i've said it to them uh, something has come in and they just want to be told that they're really good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they're going off to do something and they're like yeah. you can tell me now <laughs> yeah, you can tell yeah. me. we've done a few yeah. warm-ups we've gone yeah. through it a little pat on the bum before yeah I leave. there we go and then i'm <laughs> off um well i was just thinking as you were talking then there's a, a comparison there is it an analogy i don't know for like you know mental health and good, totally good, good mental health and and that but that thing specifically what made me think of it is that idea of being told that you are one way or you can or can't do something yeah. and to be bashed around in your upbringing one way or another yeah um is so often the reason for low self-esteem exactly pre- yeah you know, all those things that come with you it know, there's that phrase finding your voice mm. and Mm-mm. um and i think it's you know obviously a lot of the time it's used in terms of confidence but so many people come to the studio who've been told they're not allowed to sing because they're not worthy. And I think it comes back to that, you know, um, music being mm. de. I hope it can can be demystified and mm-hmm. and opened up because of, I've been in this sort of I've seen it from both sides of being in a very kind of competitive and closed. Yeah, uh, you know. T- you'd have things that things that happen at choir would be 
you'd have someone if something wasn't going quite right you'd have the choir director would shout scream and shout and this is from yeah. like seven and then you'd be yeah. you'd solo that he'd say it's your you're flat and I remember being like no sir it's not me actually but I knew <laughs> yeah. who it was and he couldn't he was like well tell me who it is then you know and then you're yeah. like I don't want to rat out your no, that's Chris very... Ellis who it was <laughs> Chris <laughs> come Ellis come on Chris yeah <laughs> but you yeah. saved his bacon and then so then he made us all sing it he used to do this all the time we all had to sing it this sort of bit of music so he could then he could then yeah and then so I did was. it first and then he was like well you did it right then and then he said and then mm. and then he's like well are you going to tell me who it was then and then and I said no I just didn't say anything he kicked me out of the room and then he made them all sing it and then kicked Chris out as well and then was like you just sort of saying things like you're disgusting it's horrible so you know like, you know he that's sort like of a very toxic yeah individual. lots of stories mm. like that you know it was this mm. sort of kind of a bit like that film Whiplash. It was like, yeah, you know, very, very much yeah. like that sort of thing. So that choir master would also teach the whole, not just the music students, like, you know, uh, all of the students and do it in the same way to make people stand up and sing by themselves and then kind of kind of bully them if they weren't yeah, very good. Yeah, I mean, for, I, mean I, I love, personally, yeah, the thought of that terrifies me. I, I love singing but even sometimes in choir I, I feel like I want to well, I think that thing is allowing someone to have space yeah. to enjoy it rather I just can't get my head around that attitude and well yeah because surely you're going to I mean you're not going to get the best result if well yeah exactly, exactly. surely you're going to you're going to sing better or do anything better if you feel comfortable and relaxed, and comfortable. relaxed. Yeah. yeah and I think it's sort of you can see the um the damage it does to people, not only just mm. not being confident with singing, but like you say, it affects lots of different other aspects of life. Mm, mm, and mm. lots of people that join the choir, sometimes people are quite trepidatious of, of uh, you know, they've had these stories and they'll tell, they'll say similar stories, mm. but they really want to. It's nice that, that, first of all, the choir can be a place where people can actually have a mm. bit of a chance to sing. But at the same time, it's, it's a shame that that's such a big... Thing for so many people mm. and I think it's interesting as well that, that so few men join the choir yeah. there's a good we've got a really good section it's, now there's a good cohort and it's the most ever I, I, yeah. I would say definitely. but it's interesting I wonder what, what that is about in terms of mm. so is it societal is it is it kind of is it just kind of interests is it, I, 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 because a lot of men like to sing yeah um, yeah, strange, isn't it? But but I don't think many men would admit to that. Yeah, um, I think there's probably that sort of strangely inherent fear of ridicule around yeah. anything that can be ridiculed. Yeah, yeah <laughs> true. You know, to- toxic masculinity, I suppose. Yeah, we're talking about that, um, which is yeah a shame because singing beyond the shower. <laughs> yeah, I can I can vouch for it. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do, yeah. Sounds like the name of a memoir. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Singing Beyond the Shower. Yeah. I'll keep it in mind, <laughs> for sure. Um, I guess I've got a very simplistic question to ask, but I'm going to try and ask it in a non-simplistic way. You know, bearing in mind this podcast is is aimed to be um, about making, talking to makers about how they make, what they make, why they make. Um, specifically with you, it's it's sound music so i want to ask how do you make music but i'm not going to do that because <laughs> it's ridiculous but i was actually listening to frank geary the architect 
it's on you know amazing shiny wobbly mm. looking buildings <laughs> um talking about the comparison that he makes of like architecture is like making jazz mm. where it's kind of like you don't necessarily know where it's going to go but you know that you need to have um you need to have certain elements in place around so, yeah and and you need but with it you need to think about how it's going to sound obviously how it's going to sound how it's going to feel and with architecture for him it's like it 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 needs to do a certain amount of things but so you've got the ingredients yeah but totally you don't quite know how it's going to come together but i guess that works the other way around as well right like yeah i think it's a, it's i think that's just listening to that it's a really similar way to how i would describe um both singing and and composing and arranging mm-hmm. so, so you need to know on a very simplistic level you need to know where the beat is so that you can swing uh-huh. or f- so you need to know so if you're singing jazz it's all about the push and the pull and the syncopation yeah. but if you're not doing that to a relatively consistent meter it just sounds absolutely nuts yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah so you need to have that foundation it's really interesting because the Western classical tradition and what's become pop music now, all of all of our sort of Western music is formed from those 12 notes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have course, those yeah. 12 yeah. notes, which we've arranged into keys and some keys, some chords go better, it can modulate from one key to another. So we have all these rules. Mm. But then once we've got those foundations, it's about kind of pushing... The, those boundaries and um especially yeah it's really interesting so when you if you go from like uh from plain song like gregorian chant up to mm-hmm. through to the renaissance period to baroque to classical romantic period uh 20th century and then jazz cut starts coming in and all of these that, that tradition's the same we're using the same 12 notes mm. that were used at that point. Like a set of constraints. Same of con- yeah, and it's really funny because each period, mm. someone decided to like break a couple of the rules. They had so many rules at the beginning in Gregorian chart. You could only have certain intervals and you could yeah. only end it in certain ways. It was very, very... And then Baroque was slightly more free, but still really well classical. You can kind of... Anything that's true from the classical period, sort of Mozart, you kind of almost know where it's going because it's mm-hmm. sort of quite mathematical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, Beethoven came and sort of basically was like, I like that stuff, but I'm going to go, I'm just going to break the rule books and I'm not going to go to where I'm supposed to go. I'm not going to yeah, modulate yeah, yeah. there. And just flip the table. and Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> What's really funny is the choir that I was in, the church um, had a rule. Anything Beethoven onwards was considered too modern. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> None of that modern... <laughs> Modern Beethoven. Nonsense. How long ago are we talking here? What is that? Four or five hundred years around that. Three hundred years. Three, years. Late seventeenth yeah. century. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, those rules. We kind of we've just sort of got more and more free with it now. Mm. So the rules are all getting blurred a little bit, but we still have those those twelve notes. And it's interesting that <laughs> other cultures don't have the same scale as us. Mm. So like the Indian raga has, I think, fourteen notes. Mm-hmm. So they've subdivided up tone in yeah, a different yeah. way to we have yeah, yeah. so we're really used to our sort of scale and everything is related is is that's the te- that's the sort of um the basis of everything we make but it's, it it kind of means that they did they've done these tests on um people from different cultures mm-hmm. and apparently 
we in the Western sort of world have, uh, we're, we're able to deal with dissonance and discord in music way less than other cultures right? because some have more notes so they're yeah, used to more yeah. clo- they're, they're closer together yeah for us it's just too much yeah for us we can't deal with it we're like oh <laughs> the music that you make as as uh, an individual recording artist as Jackal yeah I I, I, I don't think I'm um, wrong in saying have has a certain uh, melancholia yeah yeah uh, in terms of its feel and I was intrigued by that because um you know, knowing you as I do, but yeah. also you know, hearing the other music you, you, that you make, particularly with the choir, yeah, doesn't tend to be melancholic. No. So this is kind of the reason why I picked an alter ego name. I don't do it under Huey Gavin. Mm. Is because I did feel like the music was almost like a it's like a segment of of me, but it really isn't the the sort of centre of me as a person. As a, yeah, and I think what it is is two things. I realised at a point when I started the Jackal Project that I kind of hit on this thing and it happened by accident because I was actually writing songs for other people. I had a show reel mm-hmm. and I had this song called The Jackal and I just said yeah. by a jackal. I just, and I wanted it on my show reel because I really liked the kind of production on it and <clears throat> and it was the sort of kind of sound, I guess. Also, you spelt it weirdly. In the special way, J-A-K-L, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so it's got edge. Yeah, well, and it's also impossible to find. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times I get to a gig or something, and I, it's, I would say it's wrong on the, on the dressing room or whatever. I would say 80% of the time. Yeah, nice. um, but the, um, yeah, so I, I kind of found that the my voice worked singing that sort of, and I think for a singer-songwriter, yeah. it's really hard to not do that. If you listen to, if you think about singer-songwriters, mm-hmm that sort of melancholic streaks tends to be quite prevalent in well yeah i mean i was going to I, I think i think i clocked it because i'm i'm okay with melancholia if if that is the right yeah. word in in music because hearing another human an artist be well like acknowledge essentially parts of the human condition yeah which is like, there's going to be pain and suffering, there's going to be sadness some of the time. Sometimes yeah, you're just going to feel a bit weird, like, why the fuck do I feel like this? Today? Yeah, you know, totally. Like, it happen- like as, as positive a person as I think I am, and I am, but like... Definitely. I, mean, I, I guess it's that acknowledging of, yeah, life isn't always perfect yeah. or plain sailing or simple or feeling totally. okay. And it's something that people respond to. Like, uh, 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 So I definitely feel like it's always been my outlet. And... Um, I hadn't, this is quite straight, I hadn't cried since I was about 17. Mm. First time I cried was uh, was two years ago was when Joni was born. And my I daughter. hadn't cried for sort of 30, yeah, my daughter, yeah. <laughs> just to clever. Yeah, I hadn't <laughs> cried. It was more just, it was sheer relief. Right. Uh, of, and happiness, but mainly relief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I hadn't, and I think the reason for that was because uh, it, music has been my outlet, my emotional outlet. So it like regulated you. Yeah, totally. And whenever I was feeling kind of overwhelmed or, you know, stressed or upset, that's I would just sit at the piano and then these songs would kind of come out. So that's sort of, it was always my way of dealing with stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I've realised actually is some of the stuff that isn't online, but the stuff I've been writing recently has, it's the same sort of kind of, 
feelings, but it's, it's a bit more layered to, to what mm-hmm. my life is now. And um, so it's the same sort of thing as like, you know, the stuff I'm going through. But I was just on tour um, in September that finished in December was the last mm-hmm. date. Mm-hmm. And um, it really, I didn't realize, yeah, just playing them just sort of kind of strip back. People really respond to almost like the the, the 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 mirror of emotions of someone else yeah, this is bearing it. their soul. You've actually nailed it there. That's exactly what I was trying to get to really is that that sense of it's empathy, isn't it? It's, and the mirror of like, oh yeah, like and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I listen to melancholic music all the time. Yeah. I really don't. I listen to really upbeat music a lot, but Sometimes you need to feel something. Yeah, and somebody else doing that almost not quite not fully for you because you yeah. still you still have to feel it but yeah it's it like, can really it's, be soothing almost yeah it's like a mirror of empathy yeah. that and it yeah. is really soothing yeah the best bit of my favorite i met this guy malcolm after the show in um newcastle uh this ex-army guy that was there mm. to and um he bought me a drink and wanted to chat about the show and there's a song i wrote about the the day journey was born mm but it was in the middle of COVID, so I was only allowed to be there for a little bit of the time. And then they were oh, going to call me back when yeah, I got yeah. sort of to the serious bit. So I got sent home as it was quite snowy. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of hours later in the middle of the night, it was fully like yeah. fully snow now. And um, they called me saying, get here as fast as you can. But I couldn't, I couldn't drive, couldn't get, a, you know, get there by car. So I, I had to just run there from Grotto Road. <laughs> yeah, I just ran... But I was running whilst also thinking, I can't fall over because then if I end up no, at A&E, that will be the story forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it wasn't there. It was in, it was in the same yeah. hospital. But <laughs> So I basically was very kind of carefully running. For two miles. Yeah, and yeah. I got there sort of just in time. Um, but I wrote a song about it, and mm. then it's, all, it's more about the moment of all of that sort of stuff, but not like... You know, not, and then this happened. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sort of, and um, and it's sort of about it's called while you were sleeping, and kind of the, like the stress of that. And then at the time, it was when all the march in the capital was going and all this mm, crazy mm, stuff. Mm. So the second verse is all about you know the stress of all of the world stuff goes away when you're kind of when when I'm looking at her. So the main thing Malcolm said to me afterwards was like, "You've described that feeling mm. of the first time I hold my held my son." And I, I don't know. He's like, I could never, and that's he's like, I could never do that. But you've, you've put how I felt into <laughs> yeah. a song. Yeah. And I was, that was a real moment where I was like, ah, oh, that's exactly why you would do this. Why yeah. you do that? I did shed a tear just today because <laughs> I was listening to some of the Jackal stuff, uh, and here came on. Yeah. The track that you wrote about when when your when your dad was very ill, and yeah. I didn't I didn't I didn't realize it was that until the clips of him singing. At the end, came through. I thought it was kind of about a, a, a half listening, half working. But yeah. I was like, oh, "This is kind of a sort of sad breakup song." I can yeah. relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> and then suddenly it was like, "Oh no, shit!" It's about yeah. It's so about that was that a time. That was, and... that was a perfect example of of a song pouring out from somewhere. And that was dad was he'd got really ill with COVID and was on a ventilator, mm-hmm. and he'd completely he'd been. Um, in hospital for a couple of weeks already at this mm-hmm. stage and they couldn't the COVID had actually slightly got better they said he was in the worst 3% of wow. ICU patients 
So like the people that are in critical, critical care, mm-hmm. he was in the worst. And for those first two weeks, it was like, he's probably not going to last a night. Yeah. So for every night. But it was start, it's starting to get better, the the um, the actual damage to his lungs and things like that, and the, and the COVID. Mm-mm. But they couldn't wake him up. Mm. So they just couldn't. They've been trying for a few days. They'd reduced all of the... Um, and it's happened to a few people in COVID that they've been in a coma, basically. Yeah. Um, so there was a violinist a few months before that they'd done they'd, they'd played recordings of her playing and she'd mm. woken up and that had helped her mm. so the doctors asked me to and my mum asked me to put together some recordings of him yeah. singing his performances and then whilst I was doing that I just kind of this whole song kind of the whole thing just just came to, to me recorded a video of me playing it um and then i included that on the um on the email and then i got a email back from the nurse that was by his bedside saying i'm playing the song to your dad and then he woke up about two weeks later Mm. and then the first time i spoke to him on the phone uh he was like oh yeah i love the new song and then he really (laughs) and he sang it back to me he sang the chorus Oh, and uh, I, I couldn't. Mm. I didn't know he'd been mo- moved hospitals at this stage. So the, so they'd moved, and when he got a bit better, they'd moved hospitals. So there's no way that he would have been able to like. Yeah. He, he'd only heard it when he was in the, that. So that it was it was a mad moment where mm. it had it had reached him somehow, and um, he he had a couple of notes on the middle eight, and, and he was like, he, gave, <laughs> he always gives me notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, perfect yeah <laughs> just to prove that he's yeah. fully back on yeah. form <laughs> do you know what, what he did say when i when i sent him the pre-master was that i uh, love it perfect level's great maybe me up a touch <laughs> <laughs> yes sir. oh that moment julian huey's dad's voice comes in still really gets me on that song Thanks to Huey for sharing insights into the making of that track and all of the music he makes, arranges and composes on. And once again, I feel like I've learned a lot from the chat, a common thread on this entire first series, in fact. And I'm very pleased to say that there will be more in the making to come. I have a list as long as my arm of people I'm going to try and arrange conversations with, many of whom are already in the pipeline. I'm also nervously excited that Huey himself has agreed to help make some music bits for the pod, which may well include working with the human voice. So you'll just have to come back and find out what we've come up with on that one. But yes, myself and producer Rachel will be back. And I suppose now is the best time to say that it will be a Start Again production. Because I'm proud to say that Rachel has gone and set up her own company. So, if you want to make your own podcast, and let's face it, you should... Go and ask her for some help. And if you like the sound of Huey and or Jackal's sound, then do go and discover more. And if you like singing, well, go and do more of that. I didn't ever think that I'd be someone who'd join a choir, but here I am, absolutely loving singing beyond the shower.
And on that note, why don't we end on a triumphant high with a song by Margate Social Singing Choir recorded for Moshi Moshi and, of course, arranged and conducted by Huey Gavin. <laughs>